of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 1, Episode 14, Singularity. Bum, ba, da, bum. This seems to be one of those episodes that most people like. Like, this is just this is just like a good, solid episode of television, I think. Yeah, it it's funny how I didn't remember as much as when I'm rewatching these that so much of the episodes are like drama, 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 drama. Oh, it's fixed. <laughs> well, isn't that most TV in general? Drama, 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 and it's fixed. I guess it's not one of those things that you really remember and that it's just so extreme until until I'm rewatching them. And it's like, will they, will they, won't they? Oh, it's fine. Yeah, because it's like drama up until there's like two minutes left, and then they have two minutes to cram in the solution. <laughs> and then they all laugh about it. I'm like, no. Oh. Oh, no. We all almost died. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. Again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. The, the death count's kind of high in this one, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> But, so, let's get into it. So, as we said, this is Singularity. Uh, the original air date was October 31st, 1997. So, this is a Halloween episode, if you want to oh. call it that. It probably doesn't take place on Halloween. I think we're in, like, March or April in the Stargate world, if I'm remembering from, like, a couple episodes ago, where we got, like, an in-universe date. Mm. Um but they aired on Halloween, at least. It was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Mario as a party. So he's back again. So this episode, a mysterious affliction wipes out the entire population of a planet plus an SG team, except for one young girl. Carter befriends her, but learns that she is being used by the Gould. <laughs> Sad. Yes. Although this is another one of those episodes where it's like, are the only people on this planet this one little village around the gate? Like, is, is there nobody else on this big, huge planet? Yeah. Also, do they say one way or the other if the girl is actually from that planet? Or if they just put her there from somewhere else? Well, she wakes up screaming for her mother, who apparently died. So, I... I will. I was always of the assumption that yes, the young girl was from that planet. Okay. All right. Continue. Continue. All right. So in this episode, we open in the gate room with SG One preparing to head off world. Uh, apparently, they're going to a planet where there will be an eclipse, which will allow them to observe a black hole with a really awesome telescope. And uh, well. They won't observe the black hole itself because you can't really see black holes, but all the stuff that, you know, gets sucked into it, which, as Jack says, is called an accretion disk. Jack is smart, people. Like, he knows what he's talking about. So, like, I love when they let Jack be smart because he has to be. Jack being able to be smart is always, like, awesome in my book. It makes you wonder what all the regular conversations are that they have when they're not on mission or something. If, yeah. If- I, I picture whenever they do that to his character, it gives you the assumption that all of the conversations are like, so. Did you see dude, the game last night? Did you see the game? <laughs> what about awesome. that Simpsons episode? Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Chess? <laughs> no. <laughs> so off SG-1 goes, and as they exit, uh, on the other side of the wormhole, there's actually like, a big sign that says, welcome to Hanka, or Hanka, 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 
however you pronounce that, uh, Project, what? Is it Hanka? I don't know. Hanka? 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 Something like that. Uh, Project 169 SG7 Planet PX8987 Douglas McLean Memorial Observatory. Fun fact, Douglas McLean is the art director for Stargate. So it's named after him. Uh, Since he's probably the one who made that sign, so why not put your own name on it? (laughs) I know I would. I know, exactly. Uh, And then John Smith commanding. So I don't know. I just think it's kind of funny that there's just like, it, you know, like when any kind of one of those like, welcome to Illinois or, you know, welcome to the state. There's like, oh, welcome to Hanka. SG1, SG7 is here. And (laughs) so apparently this has been, though, some sort of like long term research project. So like they've been there for a while and everything. And we do also see like structures in the distance and windmills. So this is perhaps one of the more slightly advanced societies that we've sort of come across up to this point, I think, possibly. Which also would make sense why the Gould would kind of use this planet because they know that they've been there for so long. Right. So as they're, you know, starting to walk down the little road from the gate uh apparently took says somebody from sg7 should have been there to greet them but nobody is there and jack comments that you know they're probably just like getting the telescope up and ready and so sg1 just you know head down towards wherever they're going and as they come around a bend in the road we see like a basket on the ground and then a guy laying beside it and so sg1 runs over to check on him and jack turns him over and he's like covered in like sores and wounds and is he he's dead unfortunately this man has died very nasty Uh, yes and so jack calls out to the team mop four which there this is both a fun fact and a goof kind of all in one (laughs) okay so uh so mop four m-o-p-p is an acronym for mission oriented protective posture and it's basically shorthand for all the various protective gear that are used by U- U.S. military personnel in various, like, toxic environments. So there are several levels of this protection, obviously. If it says uh, mask only, then that means a protective mask is just carried. Mop ready means the protective mask is carried, and there's a set of suits, gloves, and boots that can be available to that person within two hours and a second set within six hours. Mop level zero is they're wearing nothing, but they're carrying their protective mask and also have immediately available suit, boots, and gloves. Mop level one is wearing a protective suit, carrying a mask, and have available boots and gloves. Level two is wearing a suit and boots and carrying a mask and gloves. Level three, they're wearing the suits, boots, and mask and carrying gloves. And level four is all their protection is being worn. So suit, boots, mask, gloves, all of that stuff. So Jack says mop four, but all they do is like put on like a hooded mask. So that would actually be, I get somewhere between like level zero and level one. So it's not mop four, but yeah. So little goof says it there. Well, um, maybe in other takes they put everything on and then they were like, yeah, it's just that- going to take too much time on camera. We're going to back it off a little bit. Yeah, maybe. And but I mean then why didn't they change the dialogue? I guess maybe nobody was there to look up what it needed to be changed to. Or it just sounds weirder to say mop one. Maybe. 
I don't know, but maybe people think they say Mach one or I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so Daniel pulls, um, masks out of Sam's bag for him and her. And there's a small goof in the scene where the, like the earth patch on Sam's shoulder, like on her uniform is upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Uh, and then Jack puts on his mask before he disinfects his hands, which I would think if you're putting on a protective mask, you would want your hands to be clean to do that. So I don't know why he doesn't wash his hands like first and then put on the mask. But then Jack orders Daniel and Tilk to go check out the village while he and Sam head for the observatory. So in the observatory, like all the lights are off. It doesn't appear that anybody's there, but like the computer equipment is still like up and running. Uh, So they kind of start poking around and then Jack opens a door to what appears to be the bunk room and SG-7 are dead in their beds covered in like the same wounds of what we can see. And then we hear Daniel yelling as he comes running and apparently everyone in the village is also dead. So that's not good. And opening credits. Everybody apparently is dead. At least everybody in the immediate vicinity of the Stargate. If there are other people on the side of the planet, who knows what those people (laughs) are doing. Do you think this episode really should have started with, hey, we haven't heard from this team? They haven't checked in. Therefore, we should see what's going on and consider there might be some sort of emergency. Maybe they had sort of scheduled check-ins and they hadn't missed one yet. I mean, they do bring it up later, but it, it yeah, I don't know. They could have been dead for a while. Well, they didn't seem to be any kind of like decay or anything. It does seem they're all fairly recently dead because you know they're still kind of floppy. They haven't like you know rigor mortis hasn't set in. <laughs> <laughs> We want to get technical about it. We get technical about it. They're still floppy. So, I don't know. <laughs> the actors that they hired to play the dead people didn't know that they were supposed to have been dead. They were fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is a little weird that there was no contact made between the SGC and like SG7 before SG1 went, I guess. I mean, I would think that if, they're in, if they have an established kind of science program going on a planet that seems to be non-lethal and everything's fine, that they mm-hmm. would get a little more lax with yeah. how often they would check in. But yeah. you would think that it wouldn't still be too long because it is an alternate planet and anything can yeah. happen. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe like a, a week, right? Oh, I was thinking even like maybe at least once a day, just like a morning check-in. Hey, we're all still here. Everything's good. Or yeah. Every other day, 48 that's hours a maybe. Lot. That's a lot of yeah. gate activity though. That's true. But again, as you say, foreign planet, who, who you know. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. maybe it was like, you know, they checked in yesterday. Everything's fine. Okay, we'll hear from you in a couple days. Yeah. No. Yeah. How many SG teams are they supposed to have? Um, well, this was SG-7 on the planet. Uh, I don't think we've had anything higher than that yet. We've had, I think, SG-4 and SG-6 mentioned. But, yeah, so I don't know how many teams in total, but at least seven. 
Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, you know, seven teams checking in every day for a few minutes seems normal. Yeah. But are all teams off world at the same time? Yeah, true. Probably not. Odds are even better than for checking in. Yeah. All right. Well, so back on the planet, we're sort of back at the gate and we see an SG team coming through in full hazmat gear. And then we cut to SG-1 in some kind of decontamination chamber. So apparently they are learning because SG-1 didn't go back to Earth. <laughs> like they just sort of radioed, hey, there's a problem and like sent, you know, all the decontamination stuff to them, which is good. So um, so they're all de- decontaminated and Dr. Frazier's there now. And she says that the whole observatory has been decontaminated. So that's apparently sort of where they're setting up their base for the investigation as to what happened here. And, and then also she says, you know, somehow SG seven never sent word back about what was happening, that people were getting sick and dying. And Daniel's like, apparently it happened very quickly. Maybe we don't know. Apparently timeframes are still a little murky right now, but before she lets SG one go and like search for survivors or anything, she has to examine all of them first, starting with Jack since he's the one who touched the dead body at first. So she takes Jack off to, you know, start doing her examination when Daniel sneezes. Oh, oh, convenient allergies strike again, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's fine. It's fine. It's just the allergies. He's totally fine. Right. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So then apparently SG-1 have been cleared because they're heading out to search for any possible survivors. uh, Also now in full hazmat gear and Dr. Fraser has given Sam like, body tags for any dead bodies that they find so there's that too and then we also learned that apparently daniel was here three months ago and that the people were worried that something like this would happen and that with darkness would come the apocalypse so there was apparently some sort of like mythology or legend about you know the eclipse and the darkness and that evil would come with it kind of a thing but obviously you know we being the advanced and very scientifically minded people that we are just like no it's just an eclipse you'll totally be fine well they're well, not no. fine whoops so they come across they come across a group of bodies and start tagging them and then we see a small hand like reach out from behind like tall grass and like weeds 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 reeds or weeds i was trying to say i think i tried to say both of those words at the same time and it came out reeds reeds and weeds and tall grasses and whatever and sort of takes one of the tags off the body and then sort of scurries back through and Sam sees that happen and tries to coax whoever that is out but they're likely still very scared about what happened and Sam probably also looks a little frightening with you know the full hazmat gear on so Jack asks Tilk to go over and help because Tilk is not in hazmat gear since he's got a symbiote to protect him and everything and it works Tilk actually manages to be sort of like nice and like gentle and friendly and we see this little girl who comes out and takes Tilk's hand and then they off SG-1 go back to the compound uh, where Sam and Jamet, Sam, and, I, why do I always do that? Sam and Jamet, <laughs> I do that. Sam, it. Sam, Sam and Janet are examining the little girl, and you always just want to say, "Damn it, Janet." I do want to say, "Damn it, Janet," but that's the wrong show. Um, so 
Sam has changed out of the hazmat suit and is just in a gown and a mask. And Janet then also gives her the okay to take off the mask as the infection seems to be bacterial and not airborne. So the girl's still not talking, which quite understandable given what she's probably been through. And but she also won't like won't let go of the tag she took off the body. So I always wondered if that person that she took the tag off of was like her mom or dad or like a relative or somebody because she like will not let it go like at all. Maybe. Maybe. Might have been. Yeah. Although yeah. And then but then the girl like kind of hooks it on herself, like on like the top of her little shirt that she has on and Sam takes it off and is like, Oh no, you won't die, which is that really like the best thing to say? Cause you don't know that Sam, you don't know that she's not going to die. Like I get, you want to keep her like calm and, you know, not freaking out, but you know, I don't know. If that's yeah. The best thing to say. Well, she's not a doctor. It's true. And well, she been, is. Hasn't been given the, well, not a medical doctor. Right. <laughs> not a medical doctor given the yeah. speech of you can't actually promise people that you're going to fix them. Yeah, that's true. Um, But she does get her to, like, lay down and relax a bit while she goes to talk to Janet about, you know, what the exam has revealed and everything. It turns out the girl is not infected somehow, but she actually has Naquita in her blood. And Naquita is the element that the Stargate is made out of. And also, this is the first time that that element has ever been mentioned by name in the show. And it's just, like, tossed away, like, oh, she has Naquita in her blood? Like, what's Naquita? Like, (laughs) they just, like what now they just shove it in there like we've known this word all along and like i mean i get you don't need a huge giant scientific explanation for everything but i don't know that seems like a very thrown away thing that maybe deserves a little explanation do you think instead they should have they should have had a little line in there that was like we finally named the stargate it's made of equity i mean maybe back you know that episode where they were giving like that that general or the secretary of defense like a rundown of the stargate they could have been like also it's made of naquita it has these properties to it or something you know yeah i don't know or maybe in the the flashback to the 40s one yeah oh yeah that could have been good Mm -hmm. it's an element we've never seen Calling it mm. Naquita, like my wife's mother. What? <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Naming it after my mother-in-law, Naquita. I think it's actually, there's like an Egyptian town called Nakata, I think it's supposed to be named after. Nope, I like mine better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> named after my mother-in-law, Naquita. She's a cold bitch. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But Janet says, you know, perhaps this is how she was able to, like, resist being infected. But how slash why does she have Naquita in her blood? Because that's not something normal that you find in people's blood. So Janet and Sam find the rest of SG-1. And we get a bit more of a rundown of basically what's happened here. Like, whatever this bacteria is, it's in the ground and in the water. But it's not airborne. But it does seem to be able to survive in a lot of different like environments if it can survive like in soil and in water and in people then you know this is a very highly contagious disease which oh times we're living in now uh (laughs) when we started watching this episode i was like oh it's this episode where they have to be like quarantined and in hazmat how how familiar 
she also confirms that the girl is not infected with the disease or with the ghoul parasite, which, you know, that could be one reason why she's not infected. It's if she's a ghoul, she wouldn't get sick, but she's not. So she is going to go back to Earth with the team because they can't just, you know, leave a little girl here on the planet by herself. So although before they go, Sam says that she wants to stay to observe the eclipse, which was the original plan, like not to belittle anything that has happened. But if they just pack up everything and leave, then everybody kind of died for nothing because like this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to observe a black hole in this kind of environment, you know, understandable. And, you know, she was probably going to volunteer to stay, but then the little girl wakes up and comes out and basically just like latches onto Sam. So Sam's not going to stay because the little girl like won't leave her alone. So Tilk volunteers to stay in her place since he's not in any danger because he can't get sick. And so Jack decides to stay with him. So everybody's heading back to earth all in the hazmat, all packed up and heading back to earth. And they've got the girl with them. Like Sam and Daniel are holding her hands because she like, you know, doesn't want to go through the gate as I think anybody kind of for the first time would be like, what you want me to do what? But you know, they hold her hands and they jump through and off they go where on the earth side, there's like a decontamination spray waiting as they come what? through. They're learning even more, which why Yay. is that not just like a permanent fixture? Like it, should just be a, it should be a permanent fixture. Did but. you also find it funny how they really do have like a tiny hazmat suit for her that they <laughs> somehow had one? On earth, I'm sure there's hazmat suits for children because there would be need for that if, you know. Right. But, right. But yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think at how fast it would be to get a child hazmat. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it was cute. She's like, yeah, her own little hazmat suit, um, which they take all their gear off and then they apparently have to go through a level two decontamination machine. So they're like really, really getting decontaminated now, which is yay SGC for learning from past episodes. To, like, but do we ever see them do this again? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nope. Nope. They, le- they learned this one time. We, yeah, they learned this one time and never comes up ever again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, I mean, yay for this episode. So Sam takes the girl to one of just like the rooms in the facility and tries to leave while, you know, she goes to the debriefing, but the girl won't let her. So she stays. And in the briefing room, Hammond, Janet, and Daniel are watching Sam and the girl on a CCTV. And the room has apparently been fixed up a bit since Sam took her there. Like when they first went there, just had, you know, the bare bones furnishings. But now there's like a pink comforter and like toys and like pictures on the wall and stuff. And Hammond's like, what happened? So apparently there were 1,432 dead and it might be our fault. Oh, great. Janet says, it's possible someone from Earth brought a normally harmless bacteria to that planet. It learned some new traits from a local organism and mutated into the most deadly infectious strain I've ever encountered. Do you feel like they also said this with not nearly enough gravity as they needed to, to say, we may have killed over a thousand people? I mean, a little bit. Yeah. He does say it fairly cold like with significant emotion yes but like fairly you know straight of like we think it may have been our fault is kind of how she says it like it may have been our fault 
Sorry. Instead of like, we may have killed a thousand people. Yeah. Like, I get she's a doctor and there, there has to be, you know, some level of detachment from, you know, patients and things in order to be able to properly treat people. But yeah, this this is a big deal that if this is what happened, we killed a whole planet worth of people. So like now instead of worrying about just like bringing back dangerous things, we now also have to worry about like taking dangerous things to other planets now too. Which they really should have thought of in the first place. Yeah. It's like Earth is not other planets. Other planets are not Earth. I mean, even like on Earth going from country to country, there are like things you can't take places like on our on our own planet, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like now you're going to other planets and you're just going to like stomp around and come back and not clean anything and just carry on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway. just don't yeah. lick it. <laughs> um, but don't worry. Everybody that came back is fine. Nobody's infected. And maybe we even brought back the cure. <gasps> there's the girl and maybe she has some kind of like natural immunity and while it can't save any of the dead people maybe it could be used to help fight other infectious diseases here on earth uh, yay for that at least I don't know but also again we still have no idea why SG7 didn't report what was happening that's just never going to be answered because we don't know So would you, um, would you like to make up your own um, I imagine in my mind it's one of those like super dramatic slow motion someone is running for the button running for the emergency button running for the emergency button and they die and they never push the button well it's interesting because we find SG7 all dead in their beds like did they get sick and then just like die in their sleep and it happened that night. fast maybe mm. they just like went to bed thinking they were fine and just never woke up again Mm. Well, they said it was a bacteria, right? Yeah. That stuff, that stuff will get you fast. Yes. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. How would they have, would it be, well, now I'm trying to think of how they would, you know, give them a bacterial infection. Well, Fraser said it was in the water, so maybe, you know. Oh, drink. I missed it. Oh, yeah. I missed that when she said it. All right, then. Yeah. So I imagine mm-hmm. they're just, you know, drinking water or whatever drinks that the planet has that are made with the water on that planet. And then she also said it was in the soil, so that means it was probably in the food. So, yeah, I'm going it was in, like, the food slash water, and then they just, you know, ingested it and got sick that way. Makes perfect sense. Mm. Evil villainy of brilliant. Yes. Mm. Mm. And then someone was running for the button and running for the button, and then they died. It's very traumatic, yes. I agree. (laughs) Like it always says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so in the briefing room, the camera then sort of pans. <laughs> Sorry, I, just, I love how we have all of our little inter- interludes, like sidetracks, and then you're just like. <sighs> so anyway. So. I don't. I don't like. I don't know how to get back out to there. my story. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rachel. How would you like to transition out of our side quest of how did SG7 not dial Earth into like the next scene? <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, back on Earth, back at the SGC. <laughs> so, meanwhile, like one, one of those comic book superhero things. Meanwhile, back at the SGC. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was very good Batman music. Thank you. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, you can continue now. I'm done. All right. Uh, meanwhile, in the briefing room, the camera panned back over to the CCTV monitor and, like, pushes through the monitor. And then we're, like, through the camera and then in the room with Sam and the little girl. And she's, like, sitting at a table, like, eating a hot dog, just, like, straight dog, no bun or anything while she's painting a picture. And Sam tries to show her how you're supposed to eat a hot dog. But the girl just looks at her, like okay, and just goes back to eating her hot dog because she doesn't care uh, because everybody she knew is now dead. Mm-hmm. So the picture she's painting is actually quite sad. It's just her alone with a bunch of like dead people as she's just standing there crying. And so Sam picks up a paintbrush and like adds herself to the picture. And so she's not alone anymore. Aww. Back on Hanka. Hanka, Hanka. How should I pronounce this word? I need to decide and I don't know. Hanka. Like Sanka, Hanka, Hanka. But any, any way you say it, it really just sounds weird. It does sound weird. Which I also kept mistyping it as Hanks in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to just call the planet Tom, Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanka. Tom Hanka. Tom uh, Hanka. Uh, so back on Hanka, Jack is trying to explain what a black hole is to Tilk, but he's not really doing a great job of it somehow, even though he's smart enough to know what an accretion disk is and like knows a lot about astronomy and stuff. For some reason, he just can't explain it to Tilk. And Tilk very politely still says thank you to Jack, even though I'm sure he's just even more confused than he was when he first asked about like what it is they're actually going to be looking at. So. Yeah, he he just goes what like it's it's a hole. A hole, it's just a hole and out there. Stuff gets stuff stuck gets, in there, even light. Yeah, it's a hole. It's a hole in space. Yeah, yeah, basically, and that's all. That's all. Jack says it's a hole that stuff gets sucked into. Okay, thanks. That's really not helpful, but okay. You think he would have had some sort of like equivalent that Till could have been like, ah, it's like a blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah. You'd think being space travelers, they would have been yeah. aware of them. It's like when you flush a toilet and you want the water to go down the hole. Except that's like always happening and the hole is an actual hole. Well, like it is in the toilet, it's a hole. But water is, you know, light and matter and anything that gets too close. That wasn't really much better. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I tried. With the black hole. Imagine a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to think of like, you know, something where there's a spiral and things get like sucked down and it's like, well, there's a toilet. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe that's not any better. I don't know. Uh, yourself, don't ask Carrie to describe a black hole. I, sh- I should get my son up here. He like he knows everything about astronomy. Like, oh, but would he explain it so we can understand it, or would he immediately be like, "Aha, well, well, he's eleven, so I would I would hope I could understand his explanation of a black hole." You don't know. <laughs> Ask some kids to describe Minecraft to you makes no sense. Oh no, I still no. don't get it. And he's been playing no it for like five years, and I still don't understand. Right? You build stuff and then you blow it up. Okay. 
Yeah. And now there's a whole new thing, Minecraft, Minecraft Dungeons, which is an actual like video game where you like do levels and like there's like things and you go and kill things and you get treasures and stuff now. Oh man. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Uh, Meanwhile, <laughs> back at the SGC. Uh, <laughs> The, the, the girl's, like, asleep in Sam's arms when Daniel comes in to tell her that she has a phone call and she tries to, like, move the girl so she can get up, but she wakes up. And Sam tries to explain she won't be gone for long and Daniel will stay with her, but, like, the little girl still doesn't like it. So she reaches out for Sam and she finally speaks. She says, please don't go. Wait, yay, she can talk now. Yay. And we learn that her name is Cassandra. And she also says that her chest hurts, which... That's not good. No. So Sam takes her to the infirmary where Janet is finishing up her examination and has apparently run some tests. Uh, apparently she has a very low like potassium levels, which can apparently lead to arrhythmia, which would explain the chest pains. But it's really weird that her potassium levels dropped so low so quickly. So they start to head back to Cassandra's room when she collapses and Sam gets her on the table and Janet's like examining her again. And she apparently now has an irregular heartbeat. So she calls a code code blue and Sam yells, what do I do? Which seems like a bit of an overreaction. Like, shouldn't she have basic training of like if somebody like passes out and stuff, you like don't panic and go, what do I do? Like, yeah, they they put her in panicked mother mode and it was a little weird. Yeah, that was a little weird, this little moment. But um, so Janet and the other medical personnel start working on her and they have to shock her. And she's like got a tube down her throat and Janet orders the ICU to be notified. And so she listens to Cassandra's heart again once they get it going. And she hears something strange, apparently, because she orders an X-ray and then tells Sam to come take a listen. And so Sam listens and then we, the audience, also get to hear it. And there's like what sounds like machinery of some kind like in her chest with the heartbeat so that's weird and then we cut to an x-ray up on a light board and there's some kind of weird multi-armed i don't know spider thing metal cage spider thing like attached to cassandra's heart uh no idea what it is but apparently it wasn't there 10 hours ago so what the fuck is going on this is not normal or good or anything at all. So, no, no. no. So it's all bad. It's all bad. Uh, we cut to Cassandra, who is now in the OR, and Dr. Warner is there with Janet. And Sam, Daniel, and Hammond are in the like observation room watching what all is going on. And Dr. Warner uh, inserts like a scope into Cassandra's chest so we can get a better look at this thing. And we see it, and it's. Um, it's like a metal sphere, but like it's not just a solid sphere. It seems to have like layers of like thin Something. bits of metal like coiled around itself somehow. And he goes to try and like scrape off some like samples so we can, you know, at least analyze that and maybe figure out what this thing is made out of. But then Cassandra flatlines. So they, you know, they get the scope out, they get everything out of the way. And just as they go to shock her, her pulse returns. So that's interesting. I also find it weird that they're immediate, that they don't have that, that thought of like, wait, we can't shock her. Whatever this is, is metal. That's not going to be good. Yeah, that's true. Because like, you know, if you have like pacemakers and stuff, you're not supposed to like be shocked. Right. Because Mm -hmm. that like, that'll obviously throw it off. Yeah. 
So, yeah, medal in the chest. Why are you going to jock her? Well, I guess they don't have anything else to do. And it didn't hurt her before when they shocked her. When the metal thing was there. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so Janet and Hammond are walking down a hall in the SGC. And unfortunately, it looks like they can't remove the device. Because it appears to have the ability to just completely stop Cassandra's heart whenever it wants to, somehow. But Dr. Warner was able to get some samples, so once they know what it's made out of, they might have a, a better idea about what to do with it and how they might be able to take it out. And then it's kind of weird because it looks like Janet wants to like say more, but then Hammond's like, okay, great, thanks, and like walks off in like the other direction, and she's kind of like, but, um, okay. So Sam is sitting with Cassandra in her room, who apparently wakes up from a nightmare or a dream because she yells like, mom, and she's kind of like sweaty, like... She's had a bad dream of some kind. So Sam then promises her that when she's better, she will show her all of the wonderful things about this planet. And then once Cassandra's back asleep, Sam leaves and finds Daniel sitting on a chair outside the room. And he's just like reading a book, just sitting there watching over everything. And he offers, you know, to help Sam, you know, give her a bit of a break and he can, you know, look in on Cassandra and stay with her. But, you know, no, Sam like wants to do this for security for Cassandra and Daniel's like well you don't have to do it alone no. Aww, yay team bonding yay yay friendship so back on Hanka it's time for the eclipse here we go so Tilk is monitoring the computers while Jack looks through the telescope and has like a clipboard where he's writing down whatever data it is that they need and Jack goes like whoa at one point about what he sees and like but like we don't get to see anything <laughs> which is like, we couldn't have seen anything. through this. There was nothing they could have, like, inserted to show us. I don't know. No. Uh, I wanted to see something. But apparently it's very cool, whatever it is that Jack can see. So back at the SGC, Sam, Janet, and Daniel are together in some other room somewhere in the facility. And Janet mentions that the layer of fatty tissue between the two sides of the object is decaying. So apparently... This thing in her chest is actually made up of two, like, separate sides with uh, fatty tissue in between. And it's decaying slowly, but it's still decaying, which is very bad because we've now determined that apparently one side of this thing is made of naquita and the other side is made of iron and potassium. Potassium is very volatile. Like, have you ever seen, like, people put, like, pure potassium in water? Like, it explodes in water which is one of the most like inert substances, you know, on earth. So if potassium, I've never seen it. it's go, if you've never seen it, like go to YouTube and look up like potassium and water, it like sparks and like flames and like, it's, it's crazy volatile. Oh, that actually oh so is that like the stuff that magicians use for tricks? No, it's too dangerous for that. Like, no, mm-mm, no, <laughs> it's. Well, then why do normal people have it to do experiments on? Well, no, like these these are like scientists in labs filming like, hey, look at this cool thing to show people, you know, cool science. Oh, it's not you made just it like, seem oh, like you could just like go get some. Oh, no, you cannot just like go out and buy potassium. Sorry. No. Okay. But yeah, go to YouTube and like look it up. It's really cool. So apparently where they are is then linked to another room where they're watching on a monitor where there are these two robotic arms one of which has a microscopic particle of potassium and one of which has a microscopic particle of naquita and we see the two arms like slowly 
reaching towards each other. And then as they touch, we get a huge explosion. And like there's a big flash of light. And then the camera goes dead. And there's apparently gamma and particle radiation off the charts. And so if that's what happens with the tiny microscopic amount that they just did that test with, what's going to happen with the huge amount that's currently inside Cassandra? Nothing. Big bada boom. Big explosion. So probably enough to like destroy the SGC kind of explosion. So they got to figure out what's going on and how to get this thing out like real quick. Uh, back on Hanka, Jack and Tilk are still doing their thing when Jack gets this like weird look on his face. And apparently there's something in the sky where there shouldn't be something or we shouldn't be able to see something there. So Tilk zooms in and apparently it's a ship. Not just any oh, ship. Oh, man. But it's not just any, It's a Gould attack vessel. Oh, man. Uh-oh. But... Back at the SGC, uh, Hammond is getting the rundown of what happened with the little, you know, experiment that they ran. And somehow Daniel jumps to that this was likely a deliberate plant by the Gould or a Gould to wipe us out or at least the SGC because they knew we wouldn't leave a little girl alone on a planet. And of course, we gave her iron supplements as soon as we got back to Earth and maybe that first shock when she initially flatlined is the thing that even like made the device go active in the first place i'm not i'm not quite sure how we got from where you know the information we have to this was a deliberate ploy by the ghoul specifically for us it was kind of stretch it was pretty much a stretch a little bit i mean like not for the viewer because we go from seeing the ship to daniel going over that but yeah having having no info on the ship It was quite a leap. Yeah. So, but whatever's going on, we have one hour and 52 minutes to figure it out. So we've got a ticking clock now because apparently the, like the fatty tissue that's in there is decaying at a very steady rate. And so they were able to do the calculations and figure out how much time we got. So one hour and 52 minutes. So the clock is running. We got to get onto it. So Sam and Daniel are watching over Cassandra while she sleeps and Sam's crying because, you know, how could the ghoul do this to a little girl? And Daniel's like, well, she's not a girl to them. She's just a tool to try and, you know, get back at us for whatever we've done to them. So mm, very sad because there's just, yeah, she's like a little 10, 11 year old girl. and She's got a bomb in her chest, basically, because we made some people angry. And it's very sad. Mm -hmm. So. So it is our fault after all, apparently. Apparently. Everything is our fault. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Basically so. killed an entire planet. And made a little girl get a bomb in her chest. Yep. Yes. Way to go, guys. Yeah. So back on Hanka, the ship's still there. And Tilk is apparently able to identify it as belonging to Nirti, who is an enemy of Apophis. And then a smaller ship leaves the big ship and Tilk's like, that's a death glider. We gotta go, like, right now. Because nothing good happens when the death gliders leave and show up. So, they're now on a ticking clock on Hanka 2. So, back in uh, Hammond's office at the SGC, Sam and Daniel are there as Hammond hangs up the red phone. And so, apparently, the decision has come down that Cassandra cannot stay here. It's just too dangerous They've been ordered to send her back to Hanka. So 
Sam's going to go with her and SG4 is going to go with her too. And then they're also going to bring Jack and Tilk home. So unfortunately we can't, if we can't get it out of her without killing her, then eh, it's, it's there. There are no good choices here, really, unfortunately. So is that the same call you would have made? I probably, unfortunately, because, you know, the people here on Earth, their priority is to protect the people of Earth. So I don't know what else the call could have been. I don't know. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I would have probably yeah. made the same call. I would have gone home and like had a big old glass of whiskey after I had to make that call. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't think there's really another call to make, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. back on Hanka, Jack and Tilk are running for the gate as the Death Gliders chase them down. And while they're sort of hiding after being sort of like blown off the road, kind of, uh, Tilk tells a story of a time when Nirti sent an emissary to negotiate with Apophis about a Stargate that he had taken control of. Uh, so a little spoiler here. Would, I don't know. Should I say the spoiler about Nirti? Yeah, do it. Okay, so so in the story, Tilk refers to Nirti as a he, but later in the series, when Nirti shows up, she she is played by Jacqueline Smuda. So, but you know, given the parasitical nature of a ghoul, it's you know quite feasible that at one point Nirti was in a male host and then is in a female host later. It's not you know completely out of the realm of possibility, but just is a little interesting thing. True. So. Yes. So Nirti sent the emissary to negotiate, but it was all a trick. And apparently the Stargate was destroyed by an explosion once the emissary stepped through the Stargate, which Jack then turns to and goes, the girl, which how does Jack know the girl has bomb in her test? Like, have they been getting updates from the SGC about Cassandra? What? I don't. That's a really good point is because they're. Yeah, the the show is playing out like everybody knows everything, but yeah, they're on different planets. Yeah, and we don't see or hear, we don't say, you know, there's no comment by Daniel of, like, I just gave Jack an update as they're, you know, walking through the halls. Like, we don't necessarily need to see them giving Jack and Tilk an update, but as far as we know, Earth and Hanka have no idea what's going on on either planet at this time. Yeah. Earth has no idea there's, like, Death Gliders coming. Jack and Tilk should have no idea that there's a bomb in the girl. They should be under the assumption that everything's fine and they're just waiting for Jack and Tilk to get home. Like, I don't... I don't. That's true. That's a really good point. I didn't even think of that. But, yeah, they're totally playing out the episode. Like, everybody knows everything. Yeah. That's weird. And they shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. That is and an like, error in the script writing. Yeah. And, like, okay, how did Nirti even know... They we were on the planet. On Hanka, how did she like? Was was Nirti's plan to destroy us, or we did did we just get in the middle of her trying to destroy somebody else with this whole bomb and the little girl thing? I, I yeah. There, there's kind of, there's a few big plot holes here about how we know that this was Nirti's plan. As far as I can tell, we don't know that this was Nirti's plan. Yeah. I don't know. Big old holes. But I still like the episode, so I. <laughs> black hole okay so the concept of black holes is referring to all the plot holes (laughs) (laughs) there we go (laughs) so back at the sgc meanwhile back at the sgc meanwhile uh, back at the sgc 
going to make you do that from now on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, everybody's preparing to go back to Hanka and uh, Sam's got like Cassandra near her. And so we then sort of start jumping back and forth between Earth and Hanka as Jack and Tilker like running for the gates. And then Earth is like dialing Hanka and we get um, this really cool shot as Jack and Tilk like make it to the DHD of one of the death gliders, like basically like strafing Jack and Tilk and then having to like fly through the Stargate because otherwise it would like crash into the Stargate. And I don't know. I just think it's a really cool shot of like the ship flying through the gate because yeah, it's cool. Um, so, but Tilk makes it to the DHD he starts dialing as Earth is dialing out, and then suddenly on Earth, the gate engages, even though Chevron 6 has only been encoded, and ha- and then um, the iris opens, and Hammond's like, shut the iris, but we have SG-1's GDO signal, so it's okay, and then Jack and Tilk come running through with, like, dust and rocks flying through behind them, and Jack shouts to get the girl away from the gate. Okay, Sure. Why? But okay. I know it doesn't. Those two concepts of what's going on with the bomb inside of Cassandra do not go together. Like, is it because she's next to the gate or is it because like this was something that was designed to happen in her body anyway? And there's a timer on it. Yeah. Which, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute <laughs> when we get to the end of this episode. So, but then we cut to sometime later but apparently less than an hour and 52 minutes and everyone's coming into the briefing room and apparently according to jack the ghoul kept sg7 from dialing out because apparently i'm i'm guessing tilk has filled them in on the whole near t story and tilk agrees that they should not send cassandra through the gate as the device inside her would explode immediately once it comes into proximity of the gate which oh earlier like when the whole jack and tilk are trying to run back and we're trying to dial out at one point cassandra like faints and falls into a coma while she's like near the gate so there does seem to be some proximity thing happening with the device and the stargate so eh, maybe sure okay um but they still need to figure out what to do with her because they can't just leave her here in the SGC, just like waiting to explode. And so, but luckily there's an abandoned nuclear facility, just 20 minutes down the road. Yay. What? So Hammond picks up the red phone and asks for the secretary of defense because it's a matter of life and death. And they apparently get the all clear to go ahead with their plan of taking Cassandra there because SG1, Cassandra and some other support personnel are heading there in big, like, you know, military trucks. So they head like into the facility and Jack says that he can take Cassandra from there, but Sam won't let him. So we get another sort of ticking clock here where apparently time is like really winding down and the trip down takes three minutes. It's 30 floors through solid rock. And then, so it's a three minute trip and then Sam would have four minutes to get back up. So apparently we're on like a seven or eight minute timer at this point. Mm-hmm. So we're getting it real close to the wire. So they start making their way down. And as they're going down, getting lower and lower, Cassandra wakes up and Sam like begs her to go back to sleep. And she's like crying because uh, you're going to explode in like five minutes. Please go back to sleep and like, don't don't wake up. Please like go back into your coma. 
And she takes Cassandra to one of those rooms with like the very heavy doors with the big like spinning lock. And it's like, you know, six inches thick and stuff and tells her to like sit down and rest and Sam will be right back. And then Cassandra begs her not to leave. And Sam promises her she'll be right back. And like, they're both crying as Sam like locks the door and leaves her behind. And Cassandra's like calling out for Sam, but she just has to like leave. And so Sam gets back in the elevator and just like collapses in the corner when it starts heading back up, when she suddenly changes her mind for some reason and heads back down. So at the top where the rest of SG-1 are waiting, waiting, we see the elevator numbers change to going back down from when they were coming up. So Jack heads over to the speaker to call for Sam, who finally responds once she gets to Cassandra's room, and Sam's going to stay with Cassandra. And Jack orders her to leave, but nope, Cassandra's awake, so she's not going to leave her alone. Okay, so... Jack can't really do anything to make her leave. So, okay. And then Jack turns to tell Daniel and Tilk that they can leave too, but they just kind of like look at him like, we're not, why do you think we're leaving? We're going to stay like this is, we're all, we're all here. We're all a team. We're going to go through this together. So everybody's there back in Cassandra's room down. She and Sam are hugging each other tight and they say, I love you to each other as Jack starts a countdown and then he makes it to one and then nothing. Nothing happens. There's no explosion, apparently. So Jack gets back on the speaker to call down to Sam. And Sam finally responds that they're okay. Nothing happened. Cassandra didn't explode. Cassandra's fine. So Jack asks how Sam knew she would be fine. And then we get the weird explanation of, well, Cassandra passed out once we got close to the gate, but then she woke up when we were far away. So, okay. Yay. <laughs> I, found that, I found that weird. Yeah. I'm like, okay, sure. Also that she didn't tell anybody about it until afterwards. I guess, yeah. Well, because if she was wrong, if she was wrong, you know, they would just be dead. This is this is the explanation we get, so this is what we have to live with. <laughs> I know. This, this is what I was talking about before, where they're like, oh, peril, peril, awful, awful. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's no explosion. Oh, Everybody lives. Oh. Yay. Everybody's fine. Oh, it's because she was away from the gate. Right, right, yeah. right. I got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. <laughs> it seems like such a weird thing to add in there. But yeah. I feel like that's just kind of what they came up with to be like, okay, we got this bomb and a girl. How do we make it okay? And someone's just like, aha, we'll just have it where she needs to be close to the gate to have it go off. Because at first, when they start describing it, it seems like this is going to happen. There's no way to stop it. This, There's you know, no way to turn it off, nowhere to take it out. It's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, they were like, oh, wait, we need, we need a way to turn it off. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it has something to do with the fact that the thing inside her is made of Naquita and the Stargate is made of Naquita. And maybe there's some sort of, like, magnetic resonance with Naquita. So it's like, you know, magnets, when they get close to each other, things happen. But when they're far enough away from each other, they're fine. I'm I'm reaching its straws here, trying to find anything that can I make know. It work. Maybe, maybe. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a maybe. Okay, I'll I'll, t- I'll take a maybe at this point. Yeah. Oh, it's not it's not just a straight up maybe. It's a maybe. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I I think that's worse than just maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's what that's what great of maybe it's getting. <laughs> okay, gotcha. All right, well, I'll take it anyway because I got nothing else though. Okay. All right, then we. Meanwhile. Cut- <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently, it's. I don't know, a few days, a week, a couple weeks later, and we're in a park, and Sam and Daniel are doing a thing where they're, like, swinging Cassandra between them as they walk along, and Tilk is also there with them, and then Jack comes up with a dog. Hey, Rachel, did you know that Earth has a rule that all kids must have a dog? I didn't know that, but (gasps) I had a dog, so it, it totally tracks. It makes total sense. Well, I didn't. So. Oh man, you're not an Earth person. <gasps> I thought. You are. You are not an Earth child. Then. <gasps> oh no, crap! I should probably go to the doctor and figure out where I'm from. Yep, you should. <laughs> okay. No dog, well, no Earthling. Okay. Well, Jack has a dog for Cassandra, and it's a cute little like Shibu, little like fluffy, cute little dog thing. I love how she looks at it too. Like, what is? What is it? What is it? Is. <laughs> yes. So, yay, Cassandra has a dog. And uh, Jack takes her and the dog for a walk. And then we also apparently get the news from Sam that the device inside Cassandra is now breaking down and being reabsorbed into her body. Cool. But what? Um, okay. So, I didn't know your body can actually absorb Naquita. Uh, apparently it can. Okay. So, cool. yeah. I don't know. But what happened to, like, the fatty tissue? Because now she also has, like, potassium and aqueda in her blood. Isn't that still a bad thing? Meh. <laughs> uh, but also, Janet is apparently going to take care of Cassandra until they can find adoptive parents with the appropriate clearance level. Because Cassandra has some special circumstances, mm-hmm. as we find out. And... Sam uh, promises to come visit whenever she can, you know, which means whenever she's on Earth. But Cassandra's like, wait, that's right. Stargate's a secret. And I'm from Toronto. So that's the cover story they've given her. And apparently in Toronto, they also don't have swings. But those look super fun. So then they go run off to play. And the end. And yay. Yay. Everybody lives. And, <laughs> and everybody's happy. And then there's no mention ever again about the entire planet that got killed. Well, no, Cassandra does come back later. She does come back. So. Yeah, I, I never, I, I do not remember any of this stuff until like I'm okay. watching it again. So okay. I, I know that she is coming back like in some episodes but i do not remember under what context whatsoever okay all right well she she's like in high school when she comes back so it's a few years before she's back yeah some big plot holes but still an overall enjoyable episode if you don't pick too hard at them i think (laughs) which is like the entire point of this show (laughs) well it is sci-fi is to enjoy it and pick at the plot holes and offer our own sarcastic yet witty banter commentary that's true yeah i guess maybe in in, in spite of the plot holes i like it anyway this one is i mean it's it's a good you know yay everything ended up okay yeah it's a good sam episode especially after like last week and like emancipation and stuff this is a good 
yeah, like episode for Sam where she seems like a much more normal human, <laughs> at least by, you know, the writer's standards. <laughs> except for when they put her in panic mom mode. Yeah, except for, yeah, after, that one After yeah. knowing the kid for like two hours. Yeah. But, but that's cool, though. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, so the episode name, Singularity, which a black hole is a singularity, specifically a gravitational singularity. There's, you know, different kinds of singularities. So there's that aspect to it. But it could also sort of be in reference to Cassandra being the singular survivor of the, you know, attack on her planet and stuff. So there's maybe like a sort of double meaning to this one, which I think is cool when episode titles like do that, where you think it's one thing, but then it's also maybe this other thing is cool. And or both. And or both. Yes. Um, any memos this week? Or have they learned <laughs> we don't need to issue any memos this time? <laughs> I think do not bring back a human bomb is a big <laughs> fucking memo. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Thoroughly examining all people before escorting them back to Earth. <laughs> Do not bring back something that could destroy the entire planet. Yeah, that would be bad. That one should probably be distributed in bold. Yes, unlike yellow paper. Big font. This one's important. Yes, 72 point not, font. Not Comic Sans on that one. No. Serious font. That one's getting Helvetica. <laughs> That is getting serious font. It's getting 48-point Helvetica. That's how important it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, how would you rate Singularity? What's this one getting? Ah, uh, you know, this one was okay. I liked it. I thought it was cute. Definitely some major huge plot holes, but they did not really, like, ruin the episode for me. Like, some of them have done, yeah. where I'm just like, yeah. but get, ah, no. This one was actually okay. I liked it. It was yeah. cute. And the girl lived. Yay. Yay. And the world didn't explode. Yay. Yay. So it was okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and you uh, like it? I did. I like it, too. Yeah. It's definitely, mm-hmm. it's in the top half of season one. I don't probably put it like top five, but it's definitely like top half at least. Oh, okay. Season one. Yeah. All maybe right. at the, maybe at the end of the season, we'll have to do an episode where we like debate like the top five episodes or something. It's like a special between seasons episode. Ooh. Oh, what do you think about that? That's an idea I just had that actually sounds <laughs> kind of interesting now. <laughs> that one is out there. The challenge is on. I yes. like it. All right, maybe we could bring back Brie for it or something. Oh, I like it because she could, like, I was so impressed with her ability to just recall, you know, yeah. title names and everything, having not seen any of this stuff in a decade. Yes. And, like, I myself have no idea what episode I'm watching until I'm, like, halfway through it. And then I'm like, oh, this one. <laughs> yeah, there was... Once upon a time when I was like in the middle of my Stargate obsession and vidding and everything and I get, you know, an idea for a vid and I'd like, so how I, how I vid is like, I get the lyrics from the internet and plop them in a word doc and I could just looking at the word doc, 
then be like, okay, I need this scene from this episode, this scene from this episode, this scene from, and just do that all and know exactly like where in each episode, each scene was that I needed to fit that line of the song. Can't do that anymore. But once upon a time I used to be able to, and that was really cool and really fun. And now I can't do that anymore. And that makes me sad. Well, now you can do it with Cobra Kai. Kind of getting there. Although, yeah, I need to work on my next Cobra Kai vid because that one's going to take a while because it's going to be big and long and epic. Ooh, fantastic. Yes. But anyway, you're not here for Cobra Kai. You're here for Stargate. So I thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or email us at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Korai. Bye. Bye.